Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates, ready to go. Outkick 360 is back. Sixth and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton, the entire crew making the show happen, including the chairman of the board, David Reed, who is uh, always ready to go. There he is. There is David Reed, the chairman. The chairman. in the background over there? Jill Savage in town. For uh, Outkick, uh, apparently some some big meetings on Thursday leading to uh, Outkick the tailgate on Saturday uh, uh, in Knoxville. Jill Savage looks way more into the show than, than Ellie, yeah. our intern, does yeah. when she's in yeah. the backdrop we of thought David that was, Reed. We thought that Already. was an unhappy seat, whoever sat there <laughs> yeah. and just looked miserable. But Meanwhile, Dylan's always excited about the show. Yeah. Yes, I was excited about David Reed's wardrobe last night at the CMAs. David Reed, uh, fresh from the CMA Awards so fresh. at Bridgestone Arena. So fresh from the CMA like Awards. Like Give us the 60-second re- review. 60-second uh, review. Uh, Chris Stapleton has the best voice in country music. Luke Combs has the worst beard. Luke Bryan has no future as an award show host, and I have a crush on Carly Pierce. Oh, you like seeing her cry. I well, That was a little bit much, but outside of that, when her makeup's not running, I'm a big fan. We uh, interviewed the inspiration to that heartbreak song that she sang last night. <laughs> oh, that's right. I yeah, I, the whole that. time I'm watching, I'm thinking, you know, we interviewed uh, her ex-husband uh, on uh, Outkick the Tailgate. And that's all I was thinking about as she was singing that song. It made me a little uncomfortable, so I had to change it because I'm like, I, I kind of like that guy. <laughs> I was, I was, he was cool to us. I was way more excited to see Lionel Richie than I actually thought I ever he should looking? be. Uh, he looked really good. He yeah. looked like he hasn't aged since the 1980s. Did he look like he could still go all night long? All night and dance on the Sweet. ceiling. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I, I watched more of the CMAs than I expected to watch last night. I watched I exactly say. the amount I expected to watch. I liked Eric None. Church. Eric Church was good. His performance. Yeah. Um, they were mixing in some people. Who was uh, Breland? Is that the guy's name? Yeah. That's that was his on stage name. with one of them. Yeah, no clue. Well, I was thinking, all right, I'm out of the loop. This is some big star. And I go to Twitter and he's got like 3,000 followers. And I'm thinking, I'm 12 times more popular <laughs> than this guy on the stage right now at CMA. What does he have on TikTok? Yeah, thanks. Yeah. That's a good yeah, Twitter's old news, yeah, Chad. That guy's... We're so old on Twitter. Some apps you haven't even heard of yet. Who was the woman we had on uh, Outkick the Tailgate here at Six of Peabody that had 3,000 Twitter followers but had like 3 million TikTok? Hannah Dasher. Yeah. I would, I would check his TikTok. <laughs> I, I still want to say... I would, but I don't know how to do that. I'm looking up now, but I want to say Hannah Dasher had more Twitter followers than Breland, who was on stage with, with Dirk Bentley. Yeah, he was on stage with Dirk Bentley. Yeah, so I was watching the, the open like the show. Bentley. They opened the show with Miranda. It's got to be still so awkward. Her performing yeah. those songs and Blake Shelton setting 15 feet away. That's got to be awkward. Hannah Dasher I, has right around the same amount. Business. 3,402. It's cold-hearted business. <laughs> it all works out. The albums sell. Without them, without the uh, significant other, they wouldn't be able to write those songs, Paul. 
Right. Yeah, I mean, it's I think you should, in, in, in that industry where your whole livelihood is based on your ability to, to write a tune at times and to have that emotion behind the song, you should thank the person who wronged you because it just it propels it your career your material. further. Where you get your, your I mean, would Carly Pierce be that good? Would Reed have a crush on Carly Pierce? Yes. If it wasn't for all the heartache in her life? Yes. Even if no, she was still, just perfectly yes. if not If she walked ever. by that window right now, I would, I would not knowing who she was. David Reed coming through that door behind you, Carly Pierce. <laughs> yes. Radio production coming quality Coming up with a 4 p.m. A live performance from Carly Pierce with this OutKick 360 guitar right behind us. Walking, be walking through the door of the Panthers practice facility today, Cam Newton is back with Carolina. P.J. Walker is going to start this Sunday. Uh, Cam Newton will soon be the starter for the Carolina Panthers. Sam Darnold is out four to six weeks. This is also the signal that as long as Cam Newton is able to man the ship, that Sam Darnold is done. done. He's done. Because if, based on the timeline, unless they're in the postseason, Darnold's not back. It had to be That's a, how I read into this. It has to be a little hard for this regime of the Panthers to go get the quarterback of the last regime of the Panthers to try to bail them out, save their season, get them a wild card berth. They're doing the right thing. He's better than what they have. And so they're putting the team first and doing all those things. But that doesn't mean it's easy to pick up the phone no, and yeah. call the guy you dumped uh, to, to clean slate and to start anew. Um, and... So it's going to be interesting to, to watch it unfold. It's going to be interesting to see how he goes in there, you know. Um, but I still think the Panthers are good enough if Cam Newton just plays baseline quarterback and doesn't make dumb mistakes. Defensively, it's a pretty good football team. And that last spot in the NFC, as good as the NFC is, and we've talked about this, there are five teams there that are terrific. But six and seven are not terrific. And that seventh spot is, is, is gold. I mean, you get in and then see what happens, and Carolina can go get that spot. Um, you know, things have fallen apart largely because the quarterback's bad and because the schedule got tougher. Well, things fell, fell apart because, first and foremost, Christian McCaffrey yeah, got hurt. and he's back. That, that's why things fell apart. They, they were 3-0 and with McCaffrey. And but they also played three, terrible, uh, three pretty bad teams to start the season, if I'm remembering correctly. Well, and Sam Darnold was bad. Uh, but here's the thing that I, I keep waiting for in this story. What if Cam Newton's good? Well, what, if, what if he comes back he with, with, with fire that he was you know, spurned by the organization that he took to a Super Bowl at one point that he was MVP with, and he comes back and plays inspired football? Is he capable of that right now? It, these are questions we don't know, but what a story it would be if Cam Newton comes back to Charlotte and lights the world on fire this year and takes the Panthers on a run into the playoffs. I think that would be a pretty cool, I don't know if it's a redemption story as much as just a revival well, I think of it, a career. I think it would qualify as a redemption story. He has better weapons now as he returns to the Panthers. They have Robbie Anderson there now. They have DJ Moore. Um, they have uh, uh, the LSU receiver, Terrace Marshall. You think that's a little better than Devin Funches? Yeah. Just a, yeah. just a tad bit better. I mean, a little bit of everything at receiver instead of just one, the, the same guy at three positions. And I think a more inventive play calling uh, Kelvin modern, Benjamin. modern offense. Yeah, they used to have all those big slow yeah, it was guys. Just the same it, was guy. bunch, it was a bunch of tight ends yeah. out yeah. there playing receiver. Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, it was Dave Gettleman. It yeah. was Dave Gettleman people. And you see what a quality group he's put together 
uh, up in up in New York now. So I, I think it's an interesting move. I still think Tepper. I mean, that's the reputation of David Tepper, the owner of Carolina, is he wants a big fish. And Cam Newton's a big fish 10 years ago. Cam yeah. Newton no, is not right. a big fish now. This offseason, they're going to be big players for a quarterback, be it Aaron Rodgers, be it Deshaun Watson, be it the number one pick in the draft. They are going to do something big and bold. But it doesn't get any bigger than Cam Newton right now right coming now. back to Charlotte. Right that's now, the biggest fish you can get in that market. And that's fans, the biggest fish you can get. Fans love him. Love him. If well, you, he took him to a Super Bowl. Now, he stood and watched a fumble, right. you know, which was weird, but he got him there. Well, then he pouted post-game, yeah. which was not a good look. Well, he but he's, he's, he, he, Hutton, you're right. He's a huge deal there. And in terms of big splash, big fish, this in the middle of a season, to go out and bring back Cam Newton, that's, that's a big deal. And look, they had good hope after the first three games. I think hope's probably pretty down in Carolina. And overnight, hope just got resurrected. Yeah, I mean, they're four and With five. McCaffrey and this. They play at Arizona this week. Coming up uh, later this hour, one big thing on each NFL game for week 10. They have, um, yeah, they, so they play Arizona, but then they have Washington and totally winnable. another winnable game, Miami, I believe. Washington and Miami I mean, and those back-to-back are back gifts, to scheduling end, gifts. To end November. So, yeah, I mean, if you're waiting on Cam Newton to come in and get the playbook and learn this offense, I think the, the, the idea is he already knows the offense, because you just think of Panthers and you pair him up with the former quarterback. He's got to learn the offense again. Yeah, it's different. But give him a week, I, and depending on how P.J. Walker plays, and, and Walker has had opportunities and has not been well, uh, played well in, in backup roles. Um, hey, they've got it's, it tough. It's quickly going to be Cam Newton's They've job. got it tough, though, the rest of the way. You're right. At Arizona this week, Washington, Miami, a real reprieve. Atlanta, who they'll be fighting with for maybe this last wild card spot. How about this for a final four? At Tampa, uh, at Buffalo, Tampa Bay, at New Orleans, at Tampa Bay. They get Tampa Bay two out of the last three weeks. That's terrible <laughs> scheduling by the league. You never should play the same team twice in three weeks, ever, ever, ever. And uh, so they're playing the defending Super Bowl champion who's probably positioning itself for, for seeding in the NFC. Uh, I mean, yeah, they're going to be battling Buffalo, Green Bay for that. Green Bay and Arizona. I mean, they're play, New Orleans could be in it, and they're playing at Buffalo in the snow on December 19th. Buffalo is going to be in the heart of the AFC race. That is a brutal finish. Chad's betting the Carolina Panthers right now. I like I a good story. The I bet them before the season. I like a nice story. That that would be quite the, the story for, well, for everyone. Hutton and I were if both Cam up Newton on comes this back team. and he's good. Oh. Hutton and I were both up on this team in the preseason. I've got money on them from before the season to win a wild card spot. But and with those Sam final Donald four, happened. yeah, with those final yeah. four, not not looking pretty. That guy sucks. Let's let's go ahead and say what it is. He's he's Matt Barkley. Yeah, I mean he's a backup somewhere next year. He's Matt Barkley. Matt, Matt Barkley's there. Yeah, now. it's two if, if two uh, USC guys who look the same, play the same, and uh, have about the same prospects as the NFL starting. And quarterback. if PJ Walker twists an ankle, Matt Barkley will be playing career Sunday third stringers both uh, of them. at Arizona. Mac Jones can't grab his. So I love love love. That's Brian a that was a loaded statement. Happy hunting is what Burns said. He said I think it's BS. And I wish all edge rushers and anyone getting after him this year happy hunting to, to pay it back. I don't know why. I, I have. I, I know is this, this is bounty completely game, wrong. By the way? If I, it happens now, is this kind of a setup? If there's a cheap shot on Mac Jones and suddenly. Do, do you ever have a, a moment like this? Like, I'm looking at it. I know it's bad. I know it's bad. I know I should say it's bad. 
But something about me is like, nah, it wasn't that bad. It, it's bad, but it's also, it's one of, to me, the explanation is somewhat reasonable because he lost the ball. There's yeah. a loose ball. He's thinking he's tackling the guy. With I don't, yeah, but I don't know why you would it, twist his leg. If the you way. look at because it, you hate the guy. Yeah. yeah, that's why. But, I mean, <laughs> at least the start of it, like, why would you just grab someone's leg? Because you don't have the ball. Yeah, but so if you're you taking see down him, anyone on the other right. team, you can. If you see him, Chad, though, he's sitting up a little bit, and he can see something's going on pretty far away already with the ball. That guy doesn't have the ball. I, he can tell. Well, the that way that you guy explain things in 15 seconds is remarkable for a play that happened in about three. <laughs> um, you, you, I, I think was, you just it, react yeah. to what you lose the football and you grab hold of whatever is around you to pull him I, down. I don't think he knew the, yeah. to keep him from going and getting the ball. It, well, I, I, would, if, I would I would be trying to keep him from getting the football. Yeah, even if he can see activity ahead of him, you're trying to stop the guy from going to pick it up. Yeah. or block somebody. You know, you're just trying to do anything. You're also pissed. You got leveled. You know, the guy, like, I, that's human instinct. Someone comes and runs you over. I'm probably grabbing their ankle now, and twisting it. Well, was it trying human to trip instinct? them after they was do it. Was it human instinct when Ed Reed did it to Chris Johnson's ankle in the playoff game at, at Nissan Stadium? No, but everybody I, wanted him crucified no, I think that's. For? I think that's uh, different. Everyone locally wanted him crucified. Nationally, they were praising it wasn't, him. Yeah, it wasn't a big deal. Look, I think that it was dirty. I think he knew in the end what he was doing, but I also think that the explanation from Belichick and him, it's reasonable. Look, I was didn't have the ball, didn't know what was going on around me, and I grabbed the player on the opposite team next to me. I said, like, I see it and feel one way, but then I like don't my words don't back it up because I didn't find it that big a deal. It, it, feel it like was it holding. You know, I mean after the ball's yeah, loose, they holding. have it. That's you're holding Yeah. I mean, that's what it was. But I feel like the explanation's a little bit like when uh, when Roger Clemens threw the bat at Piazza and said, "I thought it was the ball." But it would be it would be a lot different if he did not return to play. Yeah, if he hurt him, hurt him. Right. It looked if bad. If he hurt him, hurt him. It'd it be a didn't scandal. end. Bad. But I'm sorry, but no one's going head hunting for the quarterback in this league anymore. Period. No, you're an idiot. I mean, if you're going head hunting for the quarterback, or you're getting suspended. even Greg Williams would say, "Don't do that." Yeah, Think about right. that. I mean, no, right. no one's doing that anymore. Well, Greg Williams would kill for Brian Burns. They don't do that. Brian Burns won't do it if given the chance. Watch. I hope Mac Jones will be okay, but I kind of want to see it. <laughs> wow. I kind of want to see it. I feel like it's ultimately okay. I'm, but all, I'm all for vigilante justice. If he had to like sit out happening. a play or two and wasn't seriously injured, I'd love to see someone take the shot. Well, it's going to be four years. I'd love to see an FSU teammate of Brian Burns come in. And just level him and say, that, that's for my guy. It's going to be four years before we see that. Or a preseason game. <laughs> it ain't happening in a preseason game. I'd respect the hell out of Brian Burns if he played him again and took a shot after the whistle. Well, set your, set your watch. I mean, set, set America, America would be outraged, but I'd be like, hey, the guy said what he was going to do. It's not he said happy it, hunting, and he did it. Yeah, and then he got a huge fine of suspension. And then he can't play football again. <laughs> <laughs> He just, the celebration would be the cuffs. <laughs> Cuff me. Cuff me. Ryan Burns makes the hit. He just walks off the field like this. Go ahead. Get me out of here. You're joking about handcuffs now, but we're going to talk about two other, uh, two other handcuffs. I just gave someone a great celebration. Events. Just sack and immediately do the cuffs. Like, where yeah, are you? Take where me are? away. Where's my taunting? Uh, with, take me away. Where's stuff, my taunting? Where's my ejection? With, stu- <laughs> with stuff going on in football right now, the handcuff thing is, 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 isn't funny. No. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. The, the, well, I know, I know what know Paul's saying. You know yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. Dalvin Cook sees handcuffs and thinks something completely different yeah. than sack celebration. What you're saying. 
Coming up, Trey Wallace will join us. It took a dark kick. turn. <laughs> Trey, Trey, yeah. Trey, it was all very light, then it went very dark. Trey is sending out some uh, unbelievably artistic autumnal photographs. I don't even Have know what this? word you just said. What's he doing? Uh, no, it just it, he sent out a mountain uh, evening scape with the turning leaves and a valley. It's Similar to my mom's unbelievable. photographs. <laughs> yeah, I, the I only thing missing you was your dad. Hang on. <laughs> I got another one in the break to show you was guys. Was Trey Wallace there? The only thing missing was he could have taken a picture of your parents <laughs> together. Trey Wallace with my mom, you're saying? <laughs> mom? Mom? What? Do I need to ask? Mom? Do I need to ask him what's up? Mom, is that you? Chad is going to be in handcuffs soon. <laughs> no. Or Trey. <laughs> Look, she's a grown woman. <laughs> she makes her own decision. She makes her own decision at this point. I can't tell my mom what to do. No one can. Not even my father. What a what a yeah. fun time the three of them have had this week. That's weekend. proven by the, the photos. This yeah. week. The you, you wouldn't know it by the photos I'm going to show you. You just think it's my dad having a miserable time because he's the only one in every photo. Show us all the photos and we'll put Trey's photo in the middle of the slideshow. Armando Salguero will join us uh, in about an hour. We look forward to that. When we come back, Trey Wallace joins us from outkick.com. SEC weekend preview. First, though, Aurora NutriScience and VitaLifeScience.com. V-I-D-A LifeScience.com. Our trusted partner that keeps us mentally sharp and healthy. And Aurora delivers your supplements where you need them the most. Your body. You're seeing VitaLifeScience.com. 15% discount with the code OUTKICK360. Typical pills and capsules not well absorbed. Here's Aurora, unique, cutting-edge, nutritional, and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes that ensure greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. I use the vitamin C, the vitamin D3, and the glutathione every morning. And you can too. Plenty of options, though, uh, especially if you're a weekend warrior. Uh, if you take medication for high cholesterol, there are supplements that can help you there as well. If you want the endless benefits for curcumin, uh, they've got that for you too. VitaLifeScience.com, 15% off with the code OUTKICK360, V-I-D-A, VitaLifeScience.com. A&M takes on Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Auburn, Georgia, Tennessee, a lot to preview across the SEC weekend. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody, downtown Nashville. Tough weekend, Hutton. Tough weekend for my games of the week. Really? Every weekend really been tough. tough. You've yeah. had very few weekends that aren't tough. It was very easy to get to 11 games this week. I love giving Ooh, you guys I my process. I want to know who missed the cut. Get to 11 games. I'll tell you missed the cut. UNC at Pittsburgh. It's, it's tough to get to the, the... The 10 was easy to get to. The order was damn near impossible. Like You could have gone 1 through 7. The 7th game could have been number 1. This week. If I had any Photoshop skills, they would not be good enough that in four minutes I could have got your dad into this picture in Gatlinburg oh. or wherever that Trey Wallace. The, the drive wow. to Knoxville on, on tomorrow is going to be beautiful. I mean, that That's a looks beautiful fake, fall right? foliage. Great fake. Smoky Mountains. Are your parents seeing stuff of this quality? Yeah. If my mom took that uh, photo of this, it would just be my dad off in the distance, 100 <laughs> yards away. You could barely see him. With mountains behind him. That would be her Happy Veterans Day to your dad. It's a Happy song Veterans Day to, to my father and to all veterans I saw your there. dad really celebrating uh, this Yeah, my morning. mom's uh, idea of Veterans Day celebration was to surprise my father with a picture at breakfast. <laughs> and uh, it's not a very good picture of him. And then He looked overjoyed. Send it to our 18-person family text chain and say, Happy Veterans Day. Your father's wearing it. It's a Veterans Day-inspired Tennessee long sleeve shirt that he's wearing. Camo sleeve. And my dad is not like happy to be photographed in that moment. He looked hungry. 
Not Trey happy. Wallace always joins hungry. us from always. Outkick.com. Trey, uh, we're showing off your uh, photo skills. Really and, good. Uh, reading your columns That's all at great. the same time. How about that? Yeah, I appreciate it. That was, uh, I stepped off uh, my dad's back porch and took that picture last night. So thanks, Paul, for uh, for blowing it up. Chad, I have nothing to do or anything with your mother. <laughs> it's good to know, wanna, Troy. Yeah, raise, your right, raise your right hand You're a when, good man. When, you, when you say that. You're a good man, Troy. Yeah. I believe you. I believe both. you, Trey. That's all that matters. What do you, uh, may I? What do you make of the timetable at Georgia with Adam Anderson's um, arrest? Uh, he, he was on the bus, it sounds like, as the, as the charge became official, but that doesn't mean he had to play. Yeah, Paul, it's, it's interesting because of, you know, you're right with the timing. So, you know, according to the police report, you know, it was filed the day that Georgia got on the bus and was traveling to Jacksonville. Now, it's, I guess the interesting part of it is, is that Kirby Smart didn't indefinitely suspend him until the 4th, November 4th. Um, we all know how college campuses work around here. And I'm not accusing Kirby of anything. Maybe he just didn't know. But uh, when a college football player gets arrested, who's the first person they usually call? Or if they are in some kind of incident report or if their name is being brought up and something like that, Usually the athletic department knows pretty quick and not five days later, six days later, um, November 4th. So uh, timeline wise, he turned himself in voluntarily last night. Um, this was a, a felony rape charge against him. Uh, his lawyer vigorously denied it um, and, and said that they hope the UGA community, you know, does not believe everything. Let due, due process play out. And, and I agree. Let due process play out. Um, but it was interesting, you know, timeline wise, I don't, I don't know how he would return in the next three weeks, to be honest with you. I really don't, unless they had this case completely cut and dry and shut. Um, so it'll be interesting. That, that's a loss for the Bulldogs. Um, and I, and I think, you know, um, uh, but there's a different kind of case at hand here that needs to play out. And, um, I think Georgia will be fine anyways. This Georgia defense is fantastic. How do you attack this Georgia defense, Trey? I know that Heupel's had to answer that question this week, and other offenses have tried and failed. How can Heupel take advantage of any any glimpse of uh, weakness defensively, if there is one? I think, it, Jonathan, I think it's trying to, to hit him downfield. And I think you try to throw haymakers and you continue throwing him. Uh, get Vailus Jones open in space or let him try to get open in space. Same thing with Javante Payton. You know, it's kind of different with, with Cedric Tillman. He's that kind of guy that's just going to streak down the field and you can throw it up. You saw it against Kentucky. You made that beautiful catch, 50-yard catch down the sideline. Um, but you're going to have to try to beat their secondary because you're not going to beat their front four. And, and, you know, Tennessee would be smart. I'm not a football coach, whatever, but you got to line up a tight end, Princeton fan, whoever, and, and make sure your running back is picking up the blocks because Georgia can come in there and rush four guys and get to your quarterback. They, they don't need to add two additional guys. They don't need to load the box. They can get at you with four. So I'm, I'm interested to see if Tennessee can spread this thing out down the field. Which, you know, if there's one instance where I think Georgia might have a little bit of problem on defense, 
it's the secondary. And the reason I say that, a lot of it is, they haven't been tested much in the secondary. So I, I, that's the one matchup I'm looking at to see if Tennessee can take advantage because I don't know how much they're going to be able to run the ball, especially if Tyon Evans can't go and Jabari Small is still a little dinged up. Trey, one thing I appreciate about this group under Josh Heupel is they may get run off the field. They may be on defense for 50 minutes instead of 47 in this game. All those things may happen, but it's not going to be because they're afraid. Um, and they're not going to go in there afraid of Georgia, and they're going to take their shots, and they're going to try to make things happen, and they're not going to coach scared, and they're not going to play scared. Do, do you believe that's going to continue happening for this Tennessee team as this is really the last uh, enormous test this season with this game against Georgia? Yeah, I mean, I kind of look at it the way Matthew Butler talked to the media uh, two days ago. And he said, look, I came to Tennessee to beat number ones and to be number one. And he said things didn't really turn out, but we had the opportunity to beat a number one. This football team, they 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 had the ability to, to let things just kind of flow off their shoulder. And whether that be a loss or whether that be a big win, it, nothing seems to get to their head much. So I, I look at this game – and, and Tennessee's going to come out with the, the the same attitude that they've had, you know, against Alabama. And you, and you saw how that went. Um, you saw how they played against Kentucky. And I know, the, look, the Alabama score I don't think was, and I've said this, indicative of what the game really went and looked like. But we've seen Tennessee go up against some pretty tough teams, and they don't back down. They just go out there and have fun. And I think that should be the game plan this weekend. You've got nothing to lose. Go out there and just throw everything you can on offense at Georgia. And then what you do on defense is load the box up and try to stop the run and make Stetson Bennett beat you through the air. Don't let Georgia get 180 yards on the ground. I know it's going to be difficult, but if you stack it up a little bit and try to make Stetson beat you 15 to 20 yards across the middle, maybe you give yourself a little bit of a chance here on the, on the defensive side. So I, I think those are the keys and how they focus on this thing. And from a player standpoint, you know, and, and talking with a few of them and talking with coaches, again, they're going in this thing, going to have some fun. They're going to be on CBS in the afternoon. It'll be interesting to see if some, maybe some uniform things happen uh, to maybe up the spirits of the players a little bit, like, not like they need it, but give them a little extra juice. So it, 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 it's going to be a good time, and I think if Tennessee, look, if Tennessee can come out and just have that motivation, and I, I don't doubt that they're going to, they're going to give Georgia a fight, and I think it's going to be a different fight than Georgia's seen over these last four games. Trey Hutton has raised this issue about Josh Heupel teams, and it's an interesting one. They really can only go in attack mode. You know, they're all gas, no breaks all the time, and when they try to slow it down or they try to play at a different tempo, they're oftentimes not successful. I think we saw this on defense on Saturday night in Lexington. They try to play prevent on fourth and 23 and give up a first down. And then Tim Banks says, well, screw that. And he blitzes the next four plays and they make the stop to get off the field and in the game. I know Tennessee's not going to be in a position in this game to milk clock uh, more than likely. If they're playing with Georgia, they're not going to have such a big lead. They're going to need to show that. But what do you think about that? At some point, Tennessee needing to show the ability to maybe mix and match tempos based on what's happening in the game. I mean, I, I wrote about that. It came out this morning, you know, that Tennessee's game plan should be, you know what, just just keep your foot on the gas. Don't don't let up. Now, I, I, I get the different parts of it where, okay, you want to try to establish a run to take some pressure off Hendon Hooker. 
but my my opinion on 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 things right now is is do what got you here. I mean, you you look at the Alabama game and the way they were able to pick off big plays, you know, down the field or across the middle. Um, you you look at the running game; they're not healthy right now, at running back. So you know, if they can rely on what Jabari Small and maybe the Neth Whitehead, you know, to to give them 25, 30 carries, then that's fine. But I think with this Tennessee offense, you've got to come out in this game, and you just got to kind of kind of got to say, "Screw it!" You know, I, I we're going to pass the football. Hendon Hooker is going to get outside the pocket when he can. The Tennessee offensive line will try to open up some kind of running lane for him, and and if they can pull that off, then then maybe they have a chance to to take this late into the third quarter in this in this game. But I, I'm not. The time of possession thing, and I agree with you, Chad, about and Jonathan about the defense. You know, you just got to come after this defense. You got to just blitz. You you make Stetson Bennett beat you somehow through the air, and if that means bringing the house, bring the house. Bring bring your corner blitz. Bring Jeremy Banks up the middle as much as possible, or find that gap for him. I think Tim Banks is. I think he's going to do a couple different things this weekend, and I think one of them is bringing as much as he can and, and forcing Bennett to make some decisions. Trey Wallace from Outkick.com, our guest. He's our SEC writer at the website, and you can follow him on Twitter at Trey Wallace underscore. Great defense, giving up thirteen points twice, I think, but hasn't necessarily seen the pace of play of UT. How do they? prepare for that simulate that in in a in a week where they're getting ready for something completely different paul it's hard you know kirby smart talked about how that 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 they were able to you know that since they played so many noon games he's been able to see tennessee a a good amount this season um it's hard to simulate kirby smart said it you can't really simulate this in practice i mean paul you know this you go out to a a titans practice maybe they're running against a, a different style of offense or you've got you know I don't know, scout team or whatever, but they're trying to simulate it. And with Tennessee, in the way they run it, you really can't because you're running just this, this. You go so fast. So unless the scout team is out there and says, okay, we've got 10 plays, we're going to run them back to back to back to back, and we're going to try to wear out this defense, and they're going to try to to feel what they're going to get on Saturday, that's the only way to do it. I, I don't know how else they simulate the speed in which Tennessee is going to play with on Saturday. And but if there's one guy out there and if there's one defensive unit out there, especially this season, that can figure it out, I think it would be Kirby Smart and, and Georgia. But I expect Georgia to give up some big plays. But then I expect them to to put Hendon Hooker on his rear end at times, and it's going to show you kind of that balance that they're going to have to play with on Saturday where it's, it's more or less – we're going to come after you. We'll probably give up some big plays, but in the end, we're just going to kind of stick it to you with our strength. Trey, you look at Texas A&M at Ole Miss this weekend. I think there's a lot of similarities in terms of what this game means to the Tennessee-Kentucky game from last week. For Ole Miss to truly have a special season with a Heisman Trophy caliber quarterback, they need to win this game at home because if not, it's just not good enough, quite frankly, the way they're going to finish out this season. And then for A&M... If you want to have a remarkable turnaround from losses to Mississippi State and Arkansas early on, you need to go to Oxford and win this game. And you're still in line for that remarkable turnaround. What do you think about the matchup between these two teams and what it possibly means for both at the end of the season? You know, how crazy is it that if if Texas A&M doesn't lose that game to, to Mississippi State, you know, they could be right there outside of maybe the top six when it comes to the college football playoff. That that blows my mind that they dropped that game and then we're sitting here where we're at right now. But 
They did, and that was Mississippi State. Um, I, I look at this Ole Miss team, and I agree with you. From the way that they started the season and Matt Corral, how he was playing, um, you you have to go down to A&M, and you have to win that football game if you want to classify this as a successful season in Oxford. you know, And, and that's the key thing, too. Like Even if you want to keep Corral in the Heisman campaign, watch. I mean, you, you have to go down to College Station. you got to beat up. Or tried to. This, oh, that game's Texas in Oxford, A&M. by the way, this weekend. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. 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 A&M's in, in yeah. Oxford. Almost at home. Right. Yeah, yeah. Game day. Yeah, yeah. So what happens is if they can try to turn around and somehow come out and play that type of football and what, you know, Texas A&M is going to try to come in and put Matt Corral in his rear end a bunch of times. They're going to bring corner blitzes. They're going to make him uncomfortable where he can't scramble outside the pocket. That's what Jimbo's going to do. And then you look what they do on offense. We we had this discussion earlier in the season, I remember it. Is the Ole Miss defense actually better than they were in previous years? Come to find out, not really. You know, it, it's still the same Ole Miss defense. So this is very big for Texas A&M, too, in a sense of, okay, we dropped some games earlier that we shouldn't have, but we feel like we're getting back on track now, especially that performance against Auburn last weekend. And this is big for Jimbo Fisher. They don't need to go lose a game in Oxford to Ole Miss. And and then you flip it on the other side of it. If Lane Kiffin wants that continued success and to have his name going in there and, and, and finishing the season strong kind of way they started the season, you got to win a game like this too. It, it kind of goes back and forth to what we saw with Auburn and Texas A&M last weekend, guys, where both teams needed that type of win to kind of set up the rest of the year, and I think that's what we're going to see in Oxford this weekend. Trey, uh, Auburn takes on Mississippi State. We know Bo Nix needs to play well in this one, and it's hot or cold for him week in and week out, it seems. Beyond that, because we hit that every week, Derek Mason's defense at Auburn against Mike Leach's offense and and the red-hot offense as of late. What matchups are you watching for Mason's defense, which has played well at Auburn? I, I want to see what Auburn's linebackers do against Will Rogers and how much pressure they can put on him. I think that's the big thing that stands out to me. We, I think we all know, all three of you guys know Derek Mason and what he does on defense, especially, you know, I do too, covering him. And, and, and you you look at him and what he does. He likes to bring a lot of blitz packages up against the quarterback. You know, Will Rogers, can he stand in the pocket and throw the ball 40 times this weekend against Auburn? I, I don't think so. Um, because Derek Mason is going to try to confuse him. And I, and I think what they do, you know, even even if you have to play that zone-type defense where you try to prevent Will Rogers from slinging it around and maybe force them to try to run the ball a little bit, then that's what you have to do at Auburn. This is this is one of those key games for Brian Harson and Bo Nix as well where they, they need to establish themselves on offense against Mississippi State. And and to do that, they got to have possessions as well because you don't want to fall behind to what Mike Leach is going to do on offense. You're not you're not going to want to play catch up if you're down fourteen to nothing and they quick strike you, you know, back to back. So I look at this game for Derek Mason, and you know he he's coached against this type of offense before, so he should know what we're going to see. So when I look at this, bring a lot of pressure from the linebacker position, get Will Rogers uncomfortable. Make Mike Leach try some different things, you know, test Auburn deep a bunch of times, and it probably come up short. I, I think Auburn bounces back after a disappointing week in College Station and actually beats Mississippi State on Saturday. As we wrap up, Trey, has has Dan Mullen made sufficient sacrifices? Paul, I 
I mean, I, look, we all can read between the lines of what happened down there in Gainesville. I mean, there are three games left in the season. All of a sudden, you're going to tell me that you're going to fire the D.C. right now and you're going to fire the offensive line coach, guys that have been with you for years and years and years. Um, I think this was a – this is my personal opinion. I think it was The O-line coach goes back to Bowling Green. 2001. Right? Well, yeah. <laughs> I think it's 18 years, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. 20 years, so, I think, yeah. Right. So this, this was a decision – it was the same decision that we saw in Lincoln, Nebraska, where, okay, you have a plan for the future, Dan Mullen. You better start getting rid of some folks now. And the, and the big thing about for Dan Mullen in Florida, these guys had expiring contracts. So you're not having to pay them for two to three more years. I guess, you know, you go ahead and get rid of them now and you don't have to pay them. I, I think there's a lot more problems going on inside that building in Gainesville than Todd Grantham or John Hevesy. I, I really do. I think it goes back to recruiting. I think it goes back to what them trying to be the Gator standard. I'm so tired of hearing about the Gator standard over the last four weeks. Dan Mullen lost his team on Saturday. They, they, they quit against South Carolina. And if you think that they're going to come back and, and all of a sudden they're just going to be fiery and they're going to play hard, okay, maybe they do against Florida State, but how do you get up for a game this weekend against Samford? You know, if you don't get up for that game against Missouri in two weeks, I promise you, you'll go to Columbia and lose that game, and then that seat's even hotter. So if Dan Mullen drops one more game this season, there could be talks that he not return in 2022. That's that's what I think now, because if you lose a game to Florida State and let's say they get bowl eligible off that win, think how much of that pressure is going to be building up from that fan base and the boosters compared to where it is right now. So he's got a tough three weeks ahead of him. Trey, always great, man. And uh, who knows? Maybe we'll see you at Neyland on Saturday. I, I better see you at Neyland on right. Saturday. Look we'll forward to having you guys in town, and uh, we'll, we'll definitely see it then. Uh, Chad, Paul, Jonathan, thanks for having me. Thanks. Good seeing you, Trey. Thank you, Trey. Thanks. Trey Wallace there, Outkick.com. Uh, great SEC coverage at the site. Uh, just search, his, search him out and uh, follow him on Twitter at Trey Wallace underscore. Coming up, one big thing on every NFL game for this upcoming weekend on OutKick 360. We will preview the NFL weekend coming up at 3 o'clock Central, 4 o'clock Eastern. First, though, big news across the NFL. Odell Beckham Jr., her Adam Schefter, signing a deal with the Los Angeles Rams. So he joins Cooper Cup, he joins Robert Woods, he joins Matthew Stafford, and he chose the Rams over the Packers. Those are the two teams that apparently it came down to. The Rams weren't even mentioned yesterday. The Packers, the Saints, um, who am I leaving out? The Seahawks were mentioned, the Chiefs, Patriots were in the mix, and ultimately he's headed west to L.A., which is interesting because Odell Beckham Jr., Wanted out in Cleveland because he wasn't getting enough targets. And now he joins an offense with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods where Deshaun Jackson wanted out because he wasn't getting enough targets. But here's betting that's going to work because they're going to spread the ball around and another sign that the Rams are all in. Well, this is a sign that he is uh, not all about himself. This is an unselfish move for a couple reasons. <clears throat> First, you're talking about targets. He's not getting 10, of a, ga- 10 a game no. with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. It's not all about money because according to Spotrack, they are 21st in available cap room with 2.5 million under 2.5 million dollars. So 
it may be incentive laden that those incentives count against next year's cap. Yeah, maybe. But they probably don't have great cap money next year either. And I'm rooting for Odell Beckham, which is surprising. I'm rooting for the Rams. I saw the Rams just get shellacked. I was there. Titans did impressive work. But I think most NFL fans should probably jump on the Rams bandwagon because if you get frustrated, a lot of people have unrealistic hopes for their teams at the trade deadline with dealing their draft picks, all of that. And I don't think there'll be a sea change, but if you want your team to be a little bit more aggressive, to not overvalue its draft picks, to be willing once in a while to change its financial structure and say, hey, yeah, that first round draft pick is pretty good on the salary structure, but we could sure change the dynamic of our team if we traded it for this guy who's more expensive. Then you should want the Rams to work this all-in system where they're not valuing high draft picks. They're giving them up for top players. They went and got Jalen Ramsey. They're getting Odell Beckham. They're, they're making moves. They're getting Von Miller. They're crafting deals because if they go and win, the NFL more than any league is a copycat league. And teams, foremost, it's a copycat league with scheme. But if the Rams win, it'll be a little bit of a copycat league on, on team structure. And it's hard to do financially. But not every team can do this. Not every team can do it, but more teams will be willing to make I, I, one move. Not ten moves, I look at, but one move. I look at Tampa Bay a year ago. You know, they, they gear up. They, they see, we've got Tom Brady for so long. Let's go. We're going to win some Super Bowls, as many as we can while he's here. And they go in and they take, you know, uh, a risky move at the time in Antonio Brown. They do some different things. They can get Rob Gronkowski out of retirement where no one else could because of his relationship with Tom Brady. I look at L.A. and I think Odell Beckham Jr. would have been just as well off going to Green Bay and would have had an equal shot at winning a Super Bowl this year. But L.A. is going to win out over Green Bay. That's what I brought up yesterday. I don't see Odell Beckham Jr. signing up to go play in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Makes perfect sense with his personality to sign up to go play in Los Angeles. I don't think that the, uh, I was going to say Chicago Bears, maybe a bad example. Pick any team, the Tennessee Titans. I just don't think that those teams are going to be in position to just go do whatever they want and get guys to sign up with them like some other teams, like Tampa Bay. Well, LA's got something going Tampa for Bay it. with You're Brady right. and the Rams well, in L.A. Warm weather, too, for both those cities. Uh, that, uh, no team can repeat what L.A. is doing uh, because the circumstances will not repeat themselves. The, the reason L.A. is able to do this with a $182 million salary cap, which every team has, there's a ceiling of a 182.5. Next year, it'll be 208, I believe. 208 yep. is the ceiling for the salary cap. The reason why L.A. can do this is they have Denver willing to pay $9 million of Von Miller's salary this year. So you have to have a trade partner that's willing to dump a, a superstar player for a rental player just to get him off the books to get draft picks in return. L.A.'s re- willing to trade a second to third round pick. Denver's willing to pay the player not to be there. They're paying for the draft picks is what they're doing for the second and third round pick to rebuild. You have to find that trade partner in a separate conference and then you have to have the luxury of having Odell Beckham Jr. get cut in Week Ten. Yeah. So and Tampa Bay team. couldn't have done this last year because this Tampa Bay loaded up in the off season within the structure of the salary cap. The Rams are taking advantage of the Denver Broncos and their their inability to win with Von Miller and needing to reload, and they're taking advantage of Cleveland scraps. 
But Ramsey cost big. Anybody could have gone they're and willing, done that. They're willing Stafford to trade. was on the market. They're we're willing talking to about, trade. We're talking about Carolina wanting a big quarterback. Carolina could have gone, went and gotten My Stafford. point is, though, Paul, L.A. couldn't have gone and got Von Miller if Denver didn't pay Von Miller to no, leave. I agree. And a lot of things have fallen into place for them favorably. But at the beginning, when they started to do this, with the Jalen Ramsey move, with and then with the Matthew Stafford move, they suckered somebody into taking Jared Goff and the as part of a trade chip it had to start somewhere and other teams haven't done that and if the rams win i think it's some a, more teams will start to think about it's a copycat league that's this is difficult just to put on a copier and hit no i, I agree you but, can't it, you have to have certain things line up for you i, I agree but i think some teams it also maybe start to think correctly. hey i can i can trade a couple picks for the best cornerback in the league if he's miserable somewhere and he wants to go somewhere and be loved. I could be the team that loves that guy and gets a cornerstone instead of doing this thing where I say, oh, I've got to draft him. I've got to develop him. He's got to be my guy. That thinking can change a little bit. And the Rams can help that happen. I still get more excited about the team that drafts properly, builds into their system, and then sprinkles in that yeah. big swing for the fences, one or two moves instead of doing it this well, way. Let's see if the Rams win, yeah. if it shifts a little. The Rams' next chance to win will be on Monday Night Football. We'll preview that game and give you one thing on each NFL game for Week 10 next on OutKick 360. Hang with us.